Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in again. I am Kaylee Batesman, the content director at She Can Code, and today we are going to be discussing InsureTech. Now, according to a recent report conducted by PwC, there is around 50 billion of potential revenue from disruption in insurance. So with so much disruption and areas for growth, what opportunities are available for women in InsureTech? Well, we know someone with the answer to that question. It's my wonderful guest for today, Janthana Kamprakamro, the CEO of Tapali. Welcome, Janthana. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Um, so you have a lot of experience in this area. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background to begin with? Thank you so much. Yes, um, my name is Jantana Genprakamroyd, and I'm one of the co-founder at Tapley. We provide technology solutions for insurance industry. So we are, you know, a typical insurtech basically. And I've got my background in investment bank. I was trained as a chartered accountant to start. Um, roughly about six years ago, I discovered a market gap where you know, I was one of the uh, insurance customer um, trying to find, you know, like kind of gap insurance for my Airbnb letting, which in those days didn't exist. So, you know, like from my discovery, I decided to set up Tapley to serve the alternative distributions and uh, non-traditional market. Oh, wow. So you, so you didn't work in insurance and it was because you were a customer and there was you noticed that there was a need there. Correct. Yes. Oh, that is interesting. Um, so for those of us that don't know, um, can you explain what exactly is InsureTech? Yes. InsureTechs uh, derive from technology for insurance or insurance technology. Um, and um, that could mean anything from, you know, like kind of um, standard API on cloud-based to, you know, AI-enabled solution. Um, many InsureTech either focus on, um, you know, certain part of the process. Like, for example, you can have InsureTech that cover claims, underwriting specifically, or distributions. Um, and then you got, you know, kind of InsureTech that cover um, fewer technology that could do end-to-end, -end, that could cover end-to-end -end process. And um, Tapley is basically, we've got two value propositions. Part of what we do is pure tech. So we provide end-to-end -end technology solution. And the other part, we tackle the distribution where we uh, provide MGA service and we basically um, offer uh, our own product range to customer backed by some of the insurance partner that we have, it, uh, that we have relationship with. And so you must have seen quite a few changes though, um, especially recently with COVID and flexible working and there, were, there was quite a change in, in the workforce as well and, you know people starting their own businesses um it, where, where do you see the sector um progressing in the future well i think you know like from the uh business development perspective i think there will be emerging risk that um require specific or um uh, bespoke products for um, and then, you know, the, on the other side, the technology side, I think the um, uh, emerging, all the emerging technology today will just be continue and progress because at the end of the day, we are at the beginning of the innovations uh, 
uh, stage in, in children. So a lot of us are now aware of the needs um, and we are aware of the technology out there, but this is now where we have to implement and that may take a little bit of time. But I think in the next coming year, collaborations would be uh, the number ones in everyone's agenda. And the reason for that is because it's essentially the key to building an ecosystem which would help um, the insurance industry. Um, it would solve like our current climate. Right now, insurance is being hardly hit by COVID, Brexit, and you know all the uh, instability in the world. Um, and that means that um, our ability to make money is going to be limited as well as um, the customer acquisition cost is rising. And therefore, you know, our ability to be able to create the uh, ecosystem to support and reduce our claim costs, reduce our operating costs, make it more efficient, you know, like within the group will help. Um, so it's all about collaborations. And this have kind of, you know, like impact on the technology that we will build. Uh, the technology will have to be built so that it could be easily integrate and collaborate. Uh, similarly, for the you know, product development size, the product development and the distributions uh, have to go and it's had to be you know, focused on the ecosystems. So that's why the sharing and the gig economy is the great market for this emerging um, products. Yes, and the gig economy as well is something that we started to hear um, more and more about with uh, changes um, in the workforce and, and uh, COVID, um, obviously, and, and the changes um, that occurred because of that. Um, you mentioned uh, at the start that um, you didn't work in insurance, which is so interesting to me because I hear a lot about career transitions and trying to get you know more ladies into the tech sector that come from completely different backgrounds um we sometimes are, are hear stories about ladies that were biologists and pilots and teachers and um there is always that that thought that you have to be technical to go into tech and you have to you know have a computer science degree to even want to to venture over <laughs> into the industry do you need to be technical for a career in insurtech because from your background it just sounds like you you saw a need a customer need um, and and you you went for it. Yes, um, not at all. You don't have to be tech, but it's depending on your career inspirations of where you want to be in the organizations. Obviously, if your inspiration is to be, uh, you know, like um, IT developer or data science, you may have, you know, to pick up some uh, coding skills. But if you just want to be in, you know, admin role, finance, or even sales or marketing, you would need less of a technology, a tech skills, but more of the other skills. You can separate um, to go into tech and working for technology company is two separate mm. things. Because if you really want to go into like tech job, then obviously you need tech skills. Um, but if you just want to work for a technology company, um, you can, you know, depending on the role, get the job and you can make that, you know, transitions. And it's a lot easier to work for uh, a startups than a well-established company, because if you work for a well-established company, um, they would require you to have some basics experience 
to, to get the job. And in most cases, they would require more than experience to, you know, uh, get a, a high, um, a senior role within the company. Yes, yes. And um, uh, obviously, there is a, a whole conversation there as well around um, the difference between working at a a startup um, and an established company and and exactly right what you just said about everything um, that you will learn at a startup um, as well, the opportunities presented to you. What opportunities do you think um, the insure tech uh, industry presents to women? Yes. I think, you know, like with the EI initiative being in the centre of everyone's agenda, thanks to the sustainability goals. Um, so that means that there are more uh, um, initiative within the industry to promote women, to recruit, promote women. Um, as you can already see, you know, like we've got fantastic um, awards uh, dedicated to women. We've got um, a networking forum dedicated to diversity within the industry. So everything is uh, moving forward from the kind of uh, diversity and inclusion side. And um, there's certainly, you know, like a lot of um, um, focuses now to bring uh, new people into the insurance industry because, you know, and um, and I'm sure that, you know, like recruiting um, diversity into the organization has now become, you know, like a, um, part of the KPI, which means that it will be tracked it would be measure, um, and we can even penalize those organizations that fall behind. So this is like fantastic opportunities for women to now, you know, starting to go into um, technical uh, role or uh, tech companies if they don't already uh, in this uh, uh, position. Yeah. Did Did you find any um, pushback yourself when when you entered the industry? Was you know, what was your experience when when you got started? I suppose not just as a woman, but also as as an entrepreneur. You know, stepping out there and and launching a business. Yeah, I think pushback uh, come from uh, not just insurance industry, any industry um, that need change. Uh, even you know, if you look at ourselves, if you have to change uh, your routine, it's take such a long time to change your routine, right? And most of the time we would tell ourselves that we don't need to change because we're good enough the way we are. And that's exactly what happened with big organizations as well that require so many uh, stakeholders buy in in order to, to make, you know, like kind of marginal changes. And that's what, what you see. Um, obviously, you know, like, like any um, well-established uh, and heavily regulated industry changes uh, will come gradually and slowly. Um, and, you know, like we know this because when you wanted to um, have, um, when you work with insurance company, you know that the, you know, like from the time that they decide to start a project and when they execute could take several months. So um, insure tech that are in insurance industry have to take that into account. So if you come from other industry, you may not have seen, you know, like, or you may not be aware of the length of time that it would take for you to um, a, get a project and then complete them. And, um, yeah. and, and that has um, really kind of major impact on how we um, calculate our budget 
how we, you know, how much money we need to raise. Basically, whatever you need to raise in in uh, uh, money um, to start up a business, maybe you know, like make sure that you raise three, four times that. Because oh, okay. Need in order yes. to, you know, like um, to be able to survive in insurance, because the um, the running cost per project is going to be much longer. And you have yes. to be able to survive, you know, like um, at the kind of startup uh, stage for longer. And this is something that I, I didn't know until I get into this. Oh, that is interesting. And, and in terms of skills, obviously, we mentioned um, that you don't have to have technical skills. But is there anything that, that you wish you had known before you started or any you know valuable um, insight that you can give us about the type of skills that that you you might need to to come into the industry. Um, insurance as an industry is pretty much you know like um, uh, circle around network. It's all about networking. So your interpersonal skill become crucial, and more importantly, your ability to you know like kind of connect with everyone in the industry and make friends. That's very important, even more important than, you know, like our um, technical skill to start. And so I think that's something that we also um, uh, need to uh, be able to do quite quickly, which is, you know, working out who is key stakeholder in uh, the insurance industry, who can we um, network with and how we get business. Because it's all about trust. I mean, uh, insurance industry is all about trust, and we trust people that we know. Um, and therefore, there is a lot more focuses around the networking skills and people skills than the technical skills. Ah, oh, I see. And I suppose that has changed for a lot of people as well, hasn't it? Networking, or particularly during COVID, um, you know that that changed for uh, a lot of us. Actually, I, I remember um, always being at networking events, um, in person events, and then obviously um, that changed for for so many of us because of COVID. Um, and like you say, it's still incredibly important to to make those networks. Um, when when you're getting started in a new area, is that something um, that happened with yourself? Did you you knew people in the industry that that could help you there? Um, when we first started, we didn't know um, that many people. To oh. be honest, um, there was <clears throat> quite a wild decision from, from yeah. what you're saying about you know um, just it's seeing a gap in the market. And um, yes, I took calculated risk when I first started I know that you know I I knew what I need to do and I knew uh, what I must have at the time and that's all I you know like um, uh, have to start up for example you know I knew that I need to have co-founder who um, who would need to bring the technology uh, skills into the business I knew that I need to have skills um, I knew that I need to build network and to the point that people and also build my brand it was very important i think the first uh, 12 months i was so focused on building my brand because i know that people will question my um skill insurance skill people will question who i am because they haven't seen or they don't know who i am so um building you know brand and um having industry recognition was my key number one in the first kind of you know like 12 to 18 months um and building skills of course we need a bit of help 
you know, like we went through a couple of accelerator programs that were targeted or specific to insurance industry. And through that process, we were uh, able to network with uh, high profile and thought leader in the industry. And from there, we built ourselves to become one. Uh, so it sounds uh, simple, but it's extremely, extremely difficult to. Yes, to yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yes. And today, of course, is another story. So I never thought that I could reach here um, in this lifetime, but you know what? I'm here. So <laughs> yes, yes. And I mean, obviously, you touched upon it there. But what do you love about your role within the industry? Wow, I think there's two things that I love. Uh, first of all, is the fact that we are in the forefront of um, implementing and making changes. We love it. Uh, I love it as a person. I like, you know, my value is to add value and I felt like I you know I feel like I add value and the other part is people um insurance people are fantastic this is like um a decent trustworthy people in the industry and they all have very similar value and they all have very similar ethic I love it um and I think you know like I as an industry I I love the um um, the opportunity that were given to me. I love the fact that I'm needed. I love the fact that, you know, like um, I can add so much value in this business that I am in. Um, and more importantly, you know, like all my colleagues and people that I know, they are fantastic, fantastic people. And you're the CEO of Tapley, as we know. Um, do you have any advice for other women looking to get into leadership roles? Um, I think, you know, like they just need to be adding value. I truly believe that we have all the mechanisms and we have all of the um, uh, support from the government, from the company, from HR to promote more women. But we just need to showcase more women and we need to be very focused on um, our value added to the company so that it's it make it easier for the company to justify having women at leadership role. Yeah, it's all about us, you know, like taking all the boxes, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, so we cannot, um, I think the, obviously the whole uh, promoting women initiative is fantastic. It's give us the opportunity, but we have to take the initiative. Yes, yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And have you found, um, you know, in in your experience, sometimes women, they say, you know, they they feel like they have to um, prove themselves more. Um, Is that that something that that you have found? Certainly, there are some degree of barrier for entrance and insurance. And I think as a woman, we are not starting at zero. Um, but I do feel that we're starting at minus. So when we talk to investors, for example, you know, like it, we always get questions that would lead to negative response. So it's the fear factor question. What if uh, question as opposed to is there an opportunity out there? And like any, you know, kind of startup companies, um, we are projecting the future. Um, it's all about future opportunity. And and it's not always, you know, reflect uh, your uh, current state of the business. 
And actually, um, you just mentioned investment there, which uh, it would be very interesting for, for a lot of our listeners. And I have heard that before, obviously, about women um, trying to gain investment to, to launch a business. Um, as you mentioned, we do hear negative stories um, sometimes about you know ladies struggling um, to secure the funding they need. Um, and there are some quite famous stories, obviously, of ladies that struggled to secure um, investment and went on to make um, you know, million-dollar businesses and, and sell them. Um, how was that experience for yourself? Um, it was not easy, obviously, to raise money. Uh, I don't know whether this is because I'm a woman or is it because, you know, like, um, um, yeah, a startup. But certainly in the last two years, there has been a challenge for any startup in insurance to raise money. And for very obvious reasons. Obviously, you know, like during COVID, uh, financial or fintech and tech were one of the top industry that have one of the highest death rate. I mean, death rate as in, you know, like for every startup that um, uh, for every new for every new hundred startup, 78 percent of startup dies compared wow. to pre-COVID, which is about, you know, like 48% roughly. So you can imagine that the number of death rate is nearly double. Um, and therefore, I could see, you know, like a lot of investment are not going to be in that um, investing in early stage company because you don't know whether your investment will last um, beyond the seed round or not. So yeah. there has certainly been, you know, like a kind of uh, um, shift in investing more in a more later stage. Um, and therefore, a lot of startup in insurance space um, that are looking to raise money right now will be in the similar positions. But as a woman, of course, there's even less investment. If, you know, like let's say that no investment in insurance for insurtech, um, then female founder who only receive a fraction of the investment will be in an even more difficult situation. Yes, yeah, I can imagine. Um, and obviously, um, to end our program today, do you have any words of wisdom for you know our, our, our listeners on you know whether they are thinking about starting a career in in um, in short tech or um, just launching their own business as well? Do do you have any um, advice that you would like to to offer? Um, for those who are outside insurance industry and want to get into insurance, I would say just do. Apply for a job and make sure you upskill because you're going to need it for the role in insurance. Even as a you know basic understanding of uh, the insurance industry, be able to kind of work out where you can add value and how you know like and justify your transition. I think you should be able to get a job. Now um, you know for female founder out there who wanted to get into insurtech, make sure that you raise a lot of money because you're going to need it. And it's not what you expect. It's not like, you know, like a traditional uh, three months and you can get the product up. Uh, three months is to develop, but then, you know, like um, you have to factor in other uh, slack, like discussions, uh, waiting for uh, information, that sort of thing could take up to, you know, like a year or 18 months before you see the project completed and delivered. Um, so it's depend on the size of the project, of course, but generally, you know, like it's um, everything takes longer um, when you do a project in insurance space. 
you so much, Danthana, for talking to us today and sharing your valuable insights. Um, And to everybody listening, thank you for joining us and we hope to see you again next time. Thank you so much.